The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Carolinas GCSA or the show sponsors. You're listening to Pullin' Weeds, the official podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. Brought to you by Simplot Turf and Horticulture, an innovative company that is dedicated to your success by pioneering new technologies to provide solutions for your challenges. Simplot Turf and Horticulture is a partner you can grow with and provides the latest products from all of the leading manufacturers. Simplot Turf and Horticulture bringing Earth's resources to life. Now, here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Tim Krieger. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Pulling Weeds. I'm one half of the co-hosts, Alan Knight, finally joined by Tim Krieger. Tim, how are you, man? Super duper. How about yourself? Doing well? Hanging in there? Yeah, we're doing great. How have you been? I mean, people have heard you on interviews, but people haven't heard you really talk in over a month. What All right, what's what's going on? You you were in the interviews because we pre-recorded them, but I gotta say I've been on the phone like more than ever at any point in my life for the last however many weeks, and you're talking about people ain't heard me. <laughs> I think I've talked about just as many people as we have listeners of the show. To be honest with you, <laughs> just one-on-one conversation. <laughs> well, couple couple of the uh, merge call thing we had to figure that function out a while ago. Um, and then we did learn that for a while you could actually merge and then the other guy could merge and then somebody else could merge. And we went five wide one time. Wow. Using NASCAR terms. I like that. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause it's back, baby. Starting off. It's back. 12 days in Darlington. The last time you and I, not last time we saw each other, but we a rendezvous there that didn't go so well, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. We're gonna have NASCAR like every day for two weeks beginning, uh, between the trucks and the Xfinity series. But, so what have you been up to? Um, recording a podcast. Yeah, we've been doing that for the last hour, which is good. You'll, you'll enjoy this Joey Franco interview. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to meeting Joey. You know, haven't met him in person. You obviously have some history with him. You met him? Yeah, we played golf together a good bit um, early on before even the board stuff came together through the Highlands Cup. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good egg. Enjoy spending time with him, man. He reminded uh, me a lot you know, of Charlie Spears. Hard worker, you know. I mean, yeah. one of those it's just, you know, I dare say, you know, dirty boots guy who's moved on to uh, a director of agronomy position, and it's kind of you, you, you almost you. Don't, how do you not root for guys like that? You know what no. I mean? All right. Let's talk education for a second because normally we plug something, but I think. Uh, instead of doing something from the website and a, you know, one of your benefits, we're going to do kind of what we've been doing with the videos and the education from the professors. Yeah. What do we call that? Digital education. Is that kind of the genre when we started having conversations about this? Correct. The digital wow. education series. And it goes back to, I want to say the middle of March when, uh, you know, Trent and Alan got together and had a pretty good idea there about getting Bert and Fred involved. And it kind of transpired over that first weekend when right after everybody had been at home and it was, uh, you know, we're all still in the state of what if, and we were still trying to figure out if golf would stay open in the two States or if we'd have to go to essential use and, and how many employees clubs would be allowed to have. And I mean, a lot of unknowns, if you will. And so they jumped up and were able to do, um, what do you call that? It was a zoom meeting. 
Um, but a uh, question and answer. Yeah. Regarding protocols on how to maintain a golf course in minimal standards slash operations. And then that led to another one where uh, Doc McCarty came right out of it and said, hey, man, I can't host field day. Maybe we could do the same thing digitally and led he and Alan to facilitate one on behalf of Clemson, if you will, that I think has been very well received. So from a Carolina's perspective, I think that we've been able to provide continuing education, which is our mission, even during this time of crisis. Yep. And uh, I would like, we got to give a shout out to <laughs> Josh Weaver, who I worked with on that video. Uh, obviously, Dr. McCarty spearheaded that thing, but when it came to questions and what goes in what order, I know I, I bugged Josh a lot on that. But uh, good guy. Good yeah. guy. Works over in the pesticide department over there at Clemson Forest. Um, yeah, I think I've met him before. He looks very familiar, but uh, I'm certainly looking forward to meeting him again or, or shaking his hand when we can shake hands. So, yeah, I think, Alan, that was great of you to be able to provide those services from your home um, to craft something like that up and to get it out to our membership. I think it just goes to speak volumes to the partnership we've had from a digital media perspective um, across all social media platforms as well as this podcast, especially here in the last 18 months. It's been an interesting ride for sure. Yep, it was. And uh, I've, it's felt weird, man. I feel with Dr. Clark uh, from Rutgers, I feel like a, I've, and Dr. McCarty. And Yelverton, I I feel like I'm amongst a group of legends. I really shouldn't be in the, you know, I shouldn't be there. But luckily, I'm able to be there to help capture it and and send it on out. So, I think the best episode we can ever ever do is to get all of those guys on and let you pepper them with your agronomic questions. <laughs> that that would be a good podcast. We might have to do that. I mean, the striped grasses, the the colored leaves, the I've gotten a little yeah. bit better since those early episodes. I know we can't strike grass, but now I have, I don't know. I have some questions. I always fire them to my man, Jim Huntoon. He answers them and Chuck, they do a good job. A piece of Did you just out the two of them that basically there are personal, um, what do you call them? Yard experts that we go to for advice? Well, maybe, but the, the, comp, the whole, you haven't been on the episodes really since the whole competition thing started the trash talking. What episodes? On these. Yeah, been on in like a month and a half. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, how's your yard doing? It's wonderful. I put a new lawnmower blade on it the other day. And I heard this. when we took the other one off, um, my good friend Bulldog said to me, if this was mine, I would not even allow you to replace this, um, which apparently means it was still rather usable um but the quality of cut we're looking for with our rotary and our zoysia um according to my good friend and toro connection mr brent miller suggested i put a new blade on each season and was able to hook me up with one um via uh, a mail service and i have to give him a quick plug because i will say we discussed my lawnmower one afternoon and the next morning before 10 a.m., I had a new lawnmower blade there. And I had already just mowed, so I had to wait a good two days before I could test it out. So I did hear from Bulldog that he could have put them behind his back and pulled them back out and shown them to you, and you wouldn't have known which one was the new blade and which one was your used blade. It was so fresh. but it, it Not quite that extreme, but I do have them. And if you'd like at some point in time, since I do have an extra one as well, um, I can take a picture of the before and after while mowing still. So I might do that just for the episode update. Do Please do. I will say there was uh, you know, we have a little neighborhood 
Facebook for sale page. And this, this lady was selling some tools. I got a tree trimmer, one of those extendable poles that you pull the cord. I have limbed up everything I can reach in my front yard to get some sun on that grass. So, Hey, keep an eye out for me. Anybody got any golf carts or four wheelers or things of that nature? Let me know. Campers. What you doing with a camper? Spending the night at the hunt club. So I don't have to drive so far in the morning. I hear you. I hear you. So All right. Ask me what I've been doing. It's Turkey season. I've been self quarantining with my son a good bit outside. You've been shooting a lot. Um, the gun has gone off. Yes. Okay. No turkeys. Yeah, we got one. Good. All right. Let's get to Joey. Simplot Turf and Horticulture is one of the leading turf and ornamental distributors in the United States. We share your passion for these markets and to your success. While our roots in this industry started in the western United States, we are dedicated to bringing that same high level of customer service and product quality to you as we have demonstrated out west. Our mission is to provide you, our valued customer, with a level of trust, service, and support that is unequaled in this industry. Simplot Turf and Horticulture, bringing Earth's resources to life. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome in. As you can see, this is my office. Um, we're here for the uh, May edition of Pulling Weeds with a, uh, a buddy of mine and now a superintendent in the Carolinas, Mr. Joey Franco. Joey, thanks for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And our good friend, Big Al. Al, how you doing with the kids in the Bob Ross class? Uh, Bob Ross is over. Paint supplies got expensive and Hobby Lobby got shut down. So we've moved on to tennis and started playing a lot more golf, actually nine holes. So, Mr. Franco. Yes, sir. How are you enjoying, I guess you can call it the low country. Other, other people might argue about that, but, you know, the Charleston area, Daniel Island. Oh, I love it. Uh, you know, coming from Atlanta, uh, a little over a year and a half ago, it was a big change, uh, especially, you know, a lot of the traffic down here, but nothing, nothing compares to Atlanta. And then the weather's been good. I knew whenever I came to interview, as soon as I got down here, and especially when I got onto Daniel Island and saw all the oaks and the moss and just the water and marshland, I fell in love with it. So I definitely wanted the opportunity to be the director here, but love it down here. The family loves it. They're adapting, and, you know, we're really, uh, really enjoying the low country for sure. Good. So you live I, on the island? No, we live in Mount Pleasant. Good. That's going to lead me, before we get into your history and your story too much, what's your favorite barbecue place you've got down there? Is it Home Team? Is it Lewis? Oh, Home Team. Okay. Home Team, no doubt. That's some good food. Good eating right there. Great. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, well, hey, let's clear that up real quick for everybody. What style of barbecue is that? And go ahead and clarify for everyone. We have listeners like all over the world in the U.S., right? So like the Russian bots and uh, our friends in Australia, shout out to Nadim and Aaron and everybody along those lines. And, and then some in Scotland and some in England now. So barbecue is not a verb. It's not a grill, so tell everybody what you mean by barbecue, especially in Charleston. Well, it's just good old southern home cooking to me. You know, I grew up in uh, South Alabama. You know, I, you know, not to get on a tangent here, but whenever I've met so many people down here, they ask me where I'm from, and I say L.A. 
And they said, really, you're from California? I said, no, I'm from lower Alabama. Yes, sir. There's some good Southern cooking down there. And home team does a good job with their barbecue. It's so good. I can't wait for everything to get back to normal so I can get back down there and have some. Yeah, I'm, I'm always a brisket guy, to be honest with you, in the wings. But they got that Alabama s- sauce, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so good. And they have some really good smoked wings. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is really good. What is the Alabama sauce? It's just, you know, I, it's hard to say. So many people have so many different ones. But, you know, I, I think you've got, what, uh, the white sauce. Is that considered uh, Yeah. Considered the, the, the Carolina sauce, maybe? Uh, I don't know. But um, it's just, uh, you know, I don't know what they put in it. But it's just good, you know. You ask them what, what the ingredients are, they're not going to tell you. But uh, it's just some good southern home cooking down there. Well, because you got Maurice's brother down there, right? That's the Carolina gold. That's kind of the mustard in, in this side of it. And then yeah. out east, you got the vinegar guys. So, you know what I mean? And then Alabama, that's a whole nother style. But if you go out to Kansas, they want to know barbecue. And they can say, oh, that's a charbroil, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which I've had some in Lawrence. Whenever I went out there, I had a little barbecue. I can't remember the, the place we went to uh, for um, – uh, I went out there with Tina Workman. It was a while back, several, several years ago. But uh, that, was, that was a pretty neat trip, too. That, that kind of rolls us in. You were on the Georgia board of directors? Yeah, I was on it uh, for almost four years, uh, three and a half. It would have been four if I would have stayed in Atlanta. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I was on the, uh, I was the chairman of the assistance committee for two, two, two years. Really enjoyed working with the guys there. And uh, we did some good presentations at Cherokee, just kind of giving them some information of, you know, what we did at Cherokee Town and Country Club and then, and what, what to expect when you go to your first interview for a superintendent's position. But it was good. I'm, you know, coming coming from Alabama to Atlanta, I didn't know anybody, really. And then I got to become lifelong friends with several people over there, after, especially being on the board. Um, it's just – it's it's interesting to see what really happens behind the scenes because um, there's a lot of uh, – a lot of hard work. I'm sure the Carolinas is the same and – other boards too, but it made me realize a lot what really goes on behind the scenes as far as, you know, advocating for the membership. And, uh, but it's good to, it's a good avenue to meet and network for sure. Tim, you, you met him, you've met Joey previously, haven't you? Correct. Through At- the very first Highlands Cup and his board service there in Georgia. Nice. Yep. Yep. And, uh, whenever they had the, um, what was it? It was a combo of the, 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 the USGA thing that was in uh, Augusta. Correct. Uh, Over at uh, Augusta Country Club in yeah. Palmetto. Yeah. I met Matt Wharton for the first time, uh, I believe there. No, we met before, but I played golf with Matt at uh, Sage Valley, which was awesome. A couple more other board members. That was, that was pretty cool. Matt's a really good guy. Uh, I look forward to seeing him anytime I'm at the show or wherever we are. He's a really good guy. Way to, way to put the challenge out there for the new guys about um, where we usually play our board golf. So once we get out of crisis mode, guys, you see the standards have been set for all y'all current board members listening in. Um, that was, what, five years ago, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at the Southeast Regional meeting in March where the boards got together at Sage Valley and were able to play a little golf. Yeah, that was a fun day. That was the first time I've ever been to Sage, and it was a good group to play with. So it was, that, was, that was pretty cool. Well, Joey, let's take it all the way back then to L.A. Um, I can say that. I spent a year in Prattville. Um, and so uh, – but anyhow, take us all the way back there, kind of where home would be, and then turf school maybe, and then your job progress to kind of bring us up to Daniel Island, and then we'll pepper you with a few other questions uh, along the way. All right. Well, um, it's – uh, when I graduated high school, I went to Troy University and walked on and played football for a couple of years. And, um, you know, had to – couldn't keep the grades up, I'll be honest with you, so I had to come home and get a job. And my good friend at the time was uh, working at a golf course in Daphne, Alabama. I grew up in a small town, and, and nobody knows where this is. It's called Baymanette. It's in Bowen County in between uh, Mobile, Pensacola. I'm sure if you go to the beach from Prattville to Gulf, if you go to the beach from Prattville to Gulf Shores, you drive right through Baymanette. Yes, sir. Um, so I got a job at Timber Creek Golf Club in Daphne, and then um, there was a, a junior college there that had a turf program. It was fairly new, so you know I figured if if I like working on a golf course, I might as well. Go to school. And it's funny because. When I started there at Timber Creek, my very first job is 27 holes, public golf course. The assistant at the time gave me a weed eater and a gas can, and it was the week for the Alabama Open. He dropped me off at the first tee. He says, I want you to weed eat every single tree on this nine, and then when you get to through nine holes, start on the other nine. When you get to that, start on the other nine. Didn't even have a cart. Didn't give me a cart. He just told me to start walking for two weeks and then two weeks after that I'd edge 27 holes of cart pass walking you just gave me the gas can and, and the edger so I always joke with guys that when I see them weed eating I said that was my very first job in the industry and for some ungodly reason I fell in love with it so that's why I decided to go to school and went to Faulkner State got my associates uh, it's there in Baymanette and then um I had a, a buddy that was in a golf course construction company. And so I went to work with them for about eight years. So I was in golf course construction for eight years and then kind of got tired of traveling. And um, I had a friend that was working at Craft Farms there in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And they were looking for a second assistant. And I said, well, I want to get into the maintenance. So I worked there for about two weeks and then Hurricane Ivan hit. And everything changed after that. So they had to make some modifications to staff and management. And um, two months later, I was promoted to assistant, first assistant for, for uh, on the golf course. And then um, worked there for a little, about, I say about three and a half, four years. And then a uh, uh, superintendent's position was open in Enterprise, Alabama. So I worked for Enterprise Country Club and uh, Redid their, their golf course, was there for about four years, and went to um, uh, Atlanta, uh, went to Brookstone Golf and Country Club in Ackworth, Georgia, just a suburb of Atlanta. And then um, funny story is, is I was sitting there, I said, okay, I've been here for about three and a half years. I got this construction experience. I want to go to the next level. I want to be at high-end private club. And... It just so happens that when I was uh, going, 
pursuing my certification, uh, Tony Mancuso, who was at the, the director at Cherokee at the time, came and, did, and attested my golf course and was very impressed on how we operated with, you know, minimal resources compared to what he had at Cherokee. Um, I mean, their budget was multi-millions and mine was less than 600000 So there was an opportunity at Cherokee for the North Corps superintendent, and I wasn't even going to apply for it. I said, there's no way, you know, it's, I, I tell guys, I said, don't always focus on the high-end clubs looking for people from other high-end clubs. Because sometimes they'll realize when they go to guys that have lower budgets and they maximize the resources, it kind of opens their eyes that maybe we need to hire this guy because look what he could do with more resources. So I really encourage a lot of people to think about that when they're going through their career. But Tony, you know, I applied for it and went through the interview process and it was a great opportunity there. I mean, Cherokee Town and Country Club is an unbelievable place, very family oriented. Um, a lot of the things that I bring to Daniel Island, uh, I, I brought from Cherokee, just mainly the culture, because um, they really drive culture there. And then, you know, I worked with um, Brian Bowers, uh, who works for Fazio Golf during the renovations at Cherokee, and he called me up in uh, late, late, uh, late summer, early fall of 2018. And he said, hey, I know you're looking for a director's job. Would you be interested in Charleston? I said, well, hell yeah, that's a beautiful place. And then uh, just went through the process here and got hired uh, December of 2018 and loved it ever since. Man, all right, I have to ask you about two guys, uh, members of your club, if you've run across them yet, Mark Derishan. Yeah, I know Mr. Dur. I talked to him Monday. Great guy. I'm sure he's out there a bunch. He's, oh, a, he's got a yellow hat on. Rules official. Rules of golf official. Yes. Yeah. Great gentleman. And then another one who's somewhat famous, uh, Frank Abagnale. Have you ever met Frank? I have. I have. One time. One time. Yeah. I've, I've yet to meet him. I just know he's a member down there and plays a bunch of golf. So We have, we have a really good membership. Um, you know, I, they're very, very supportive of what we're doing down here and and they see the results, and they're very excited. I mean, it's a, it's a growing club. Even, you know, during times of crisis, I think we've, our membership has grown, you know, uh, 10 to 15 just in the last six weeks, which is pretty good. So wow. um, we're, we're, it's a very, very, very healthy and very good club, great club. That's awesome. What's the maximum number of members you got down there? We don't have a maximum right now. But uh, we're shooting for a number. I don't know if we'll reach as far as full golf. I mean, ours is going to be about 850. But, um, you know, we, we do have a lot of national members and, of course, members that live here on the island. But um, it's like I was telling Al before you, you came in, Tim, we, we did 385 rounds Sunday, and uh, which is not the record. Our record is 397, I believe, or 392. Well, tell everybody a little bit out there about Daniel Island. You referenced, uh, quote, the island, and then we've got Charleston. So just so there's no confusion, I mean, you got to go over to a bridge to get to your place. And then you got, what, 36 holes? Yeah, so the island is um, basically a suburb of Charleston, just to the east. You go over a 5.6, 6 
to get to the get to the club. And um, we have 36 holes. One golf course is Fazio. The other golf course is Reese Jones. Um, Bearsford Creek is the Fazio golf course. It was renovated in 2018, and then we did the uh, renovation last year on Ralston, the Reese Jones course, and uh, uh, redid the greens on Ralston. Converted all the short grass to latitude 36. Bearsford all the short and, and new bunkers, and Bearsford was a uh, new short grass uh, latitude 36 and bunker, but not the greens. So. The greens on Bearsford are 21-year-old tip eagle greens, and they are as pure as they were the day they were planted as far as turf-wise. And in Ralston, as a, as a, we also did tip eagle over there too. Any complications during that process while you've been there? Um, well, yeah, Bearsford uh, was a lot of work. Um, there was, there was some, some work needed to, needed, uh, to be done to the greens there. Um, you know, I, I tell members and even the staff here, as good as the renovation was on Ralston, we're more proud of what we did to resurrect Bearsford Creek Greens. And uh, we did a lot of work. And uh, I got some really good videos of double drilling field, double airification, tractor vertic cutting, all kind of stuff on my Twitter. And we're going to do the same thing here again in about a month. So, uh, but other than that, the, the renovations went fairly well on Ralston. Um, it was closed down for about four or five months, and uh, the members love it. They love the latitude. It's a very good grass for us. We never lost any color. I know it's common to overseed, and they held their color pretty good. And uh, they love the playability because we cut it short, and their ball rolls further, and they just love it. So it's been, been pretty nice. Nice. Any talk of getting the corn ferry back at any point in time? You know, we, we've talked about some of those things. Um, you know, we're, I believe in July we're hosting, hopefully we still are, we're going to host the Carolina Pro Championship uh, for all the head pros and golfing pros, I believe the second week of July. And then we're on schedule to host a collegiate tournament in November that I believe uh, – I could be correct if I'm wrong, but Charleston Southern's hosting uh, possibly anywhere from 15 to 25 colleges. But, you know, hopefully that holds true depending on what happens with the, the uh, restrictions or implications of the virus. So um, there has been some talk about it. Um, I would love to host one. Um, I've seen, uh, seen some videos of, of the past in 2009, 2010, and 2011 when they, when they hosted it. And it's, that's part of the Daniel Island history here. That was, those were three big years for this club to host events like that. I mean, that was the – I think back then it was the web.com. Is that correct? Or that Yeah, was, no, it was the tour championship, I believe. Yeah, right? it was, it was their, their tour championship. So, however you played, you got your card to go to the PGA Tour. So – it was very uh, impactful for the club, but also the community and the island, and even as far as, uh, you know, down the road in Charleston. Yeah, speaking of the community impact of that thing, I ran two junior clinics back-to-back -back years. They would bust kids in first. I mean, I mean bust them in, like <laughs> six busloads of time. But Tim played – did you play in the Pro-Am one time, the tour? I did with the CEO and uh, Matt Hendricks, who played uh, – who's – just gotten done with the Clemson golf career. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, man, we were involved through the golf association for years, like you said, with the junior clinics. And then 
when we came over to this side, it was just kind of fun to go down there and hang out because your predecessor was on the board at the time as a past president, Mr. Fabrizio. Mm-hmm. And he and I had become really good friends. And so one of the first times, well, actually, when I first got promoted, I passed my calendar around at the board meeting and told them that there wasn't an X in it to put their name down and I'd come to work for them for a day. And so I remember going down and meeting Fabrizio at the shop at 5.30 one morning and he kind of gave me the the lay version of a lot of things. <coughs> Actually introduced me to uh, your fertigation program down there. I think they had just put it in and uh-huh. what that was all about. So anyways, I've, I've, I've hung around that island a good bit, man. Yeah, you were down here not too long ago, wasn't it? Last fall. <coughs> You, we you had to come in and see all the dogs. We got we got about six dogs here at our maintenance facility. So, God dang it, I can't keep up with them. I mean, only one of them's really famous on Twitter that everybody knows. That's Will. Oh, that's Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The mole we killer. We have about I would say my dog, which she's taking a nap right now. I wore her out this morning. It's right around six dogs. We got a boxer, a Rottweiler, a Golden Doodle. Uh, Cocker Spaniel, I'm trying to think who else we got. And then my dog's a little mix of a, of a, of some breed I don't even know. So. What do you consider Zephyr? Zephyr? Oh, yeah, and Zephyr. I, he's got some pits in him. I don't know. I don't know. He's been here a long time. Zephyr has. So. Was that the club dog? Well, I don't know if we necessarily call it the club dog. It's Josh Jordan. Uh, Superintendent Ralston Creek gets his dog, but I think he's I think he's brought Zephyr to work every day. Zephyr's getting a little older, so sometimes he comes in, sometimes he doesn't. So he takes his PTO puppy time off. So, uh, but any at any time we could have four to six dogs in the office. We're trying to get them all to get a picture together and tweet it out. So, well, we're going to do that soon. Speaking of Will Lane. That young man does some good drone footage, doesn't he? He does, and uh, yeah, he does. He does a really good job. I, I get the freedom, you know, because we do. Um, I do an update to the membership. Uh, last year was every two weeks, and it started out with more just pictures and you know some commentary. And I, you know, I'm one of those that I don't like to read. I like to see pictures and videos. So. <laughs> All our communication is done through videos uh, to the membership through an email blast. And I asked the guys, I said, for every update, I need I need a drone video of the golf course. And I can't tell you, you know, uh, what is it, about a $1,400, $1,500 investment maybe, yep. depending on what kind of drone you get. The positive reaction we get from members because <clears throat> golf course from above is really when you see it at ground level. And then I just asked him and said, be creative, you know, have fun with it. So I did not pick on him. He got, he, he had a little too fun and, and, and flew it into a tree. So we were, we were uh, unable to film for a couple of weeks. So we got it fixed, but that's part of it. That, that happens. The, the <laughs> original SCGA drone certainly hit a handful of trees and flag sticks once, but, uh, uh, Will's footage, I'll tell you, and his pictures are phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I need to get him to send me some of his footage we could use in this Carolina's videos. Yeah, I'll, pa- I'll, I'll pass that along to him for sure. I'll get in touch with him. They do a good job. Uh, him and Aaron and, and Drew and Josh, I tell them, I say, have fun with it. 
you know, yeah. so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun for us too. Uh, we use it, you know, we use it for agronomics, but it's a great communication tool for us to the membership to also. Where'd you pick Will up? Well, uh, you know, whenever I got here, uh, Josh and Drew, you know, they've been, they've, their tenure reaches probably, I want to say 14 and 15 years. And uh, when I got here, there was no assistance. Um, and kind of the way the program we wanted to run here that I proposed to, to our GM, Mr. Greg Keating, I said, if you don't have management, then you cannot be successful because you've got to be able to manage the people. So to answer your question here in a second, we, we built a kind of a, a, a hierarchy here where we have a superintendent assistant and second assistant and potentially full, uh, full-time AITs on each golf course. But, um, you know, I put out the ad and our administrative assistant is uh, best friends with his wife. And um, so, you know, he sent me his resume, very professional. You know, I was, it was a great, uh, him and Aaron Hepner. Aaron Hepner was at the landings in Savannah working for uh, Chris Steigelman. We hired them two as our assistants and uh, they've been unbelievable. Where was Will? Um, oh my gosh, I had to look it up. It was in North Carolina. Um, I think just outside of Charlotte, and I cannot remember the golf course off the top of my head. You know, it'd be funny if Will opened that door right behind him and like was listening from the outside. They're probably in there eating lunch right now, listening to me. But I cannot remember. I had to look it up. I cannot. Hey, let me ask you that then. So, does the club uh, feed y'all on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays? Yeah, that's awesome. It is. I mean, that was something that. You know, not too many clubs do it. And uh, at Cherokee, they did the same thing. I mean, I've worked at several places where they didn't do that. Um, so uh, we've, we've, with all the social distancing, you know, usually in the past, it would be a buffet. They, we'd go get it, bring it down here. But now since then, we just do box lunches and sandwiches. That way there's not a lot of touching. But it, um, that's a great perk. That is a great perk. All right. I want to know uh, if you could give yourself a piece of advice, go back and give 18 year old Joey Franco a solid piece of advice. What would you say to yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Cause I look back a lot at some of the decisions that I've made. I, I would say that if, if, if I knew this is what I wanted to do when I was 18 years old, I would say, Definitely go to school and get a degree early, early, early. And depending on where you want to be, if you're going to intern or work during the summer or coming out of college, go to that type of club. And, uh, you know, if you want to do high end, go there. But also one of the biggest things I would say is do a year of construction. You learn more about a golf course during construction or renovation than you do anything else. Because it's every aspect of drainage, irrigation. Um, you know, you can learn the technical aspect of it in school, but until you get down in, down in the dirt with a shovel and realize how to build a golf course and operate machinery, um, I think it's a great, 
great avenue just to learn. Um, I think every person should spend some time, not necessarily doing a renovation at your golf course, but working for a construction company that is doing a renovation. Because there's two totally different things. You're watching them do it, but you're not really learning on how to do it. And uh, if you get in this industry, do a year, a summer, get some experience, especially if you're young, you get to travel. I mean, I traveled all across the Southeast from Florida, Louisiana, even as far north as Virginia when I was in construction. And, and you meet a lot of people. It's a great way to network, too. Very true. What's the first car you drove? I got to get that M4. I forget it. Uh, 19, man, this is going to make me really sound old. A 1985 Camaro. Hey, you started out with a Camaro. <laughs> the bad thing about it is it ran for about four months and then the engine blew up. So I had to get a, a, a Ford, what was it? A 90, 91 Ford Ranger. So went from a Camaro to a Ford Ranger. <laughs> is that what Smokey and the Bandit, was that the Camaro? No, I think that was a Thunderbird. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. The T-top situation? Oh yeah. Yeah. Leak every time it rained, my, my floorboard in the back was full of full of water. It wasn't sealed up. So I'd have to take the T-top to air it out because I like mildew in there, but I didn't get the water out fast enough. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so what about uh your family? You said give us a rundown again. How old you you children are so uh my wife and i we've been married let me make sure i get this number right uh it'll be 11 12 years um we have an eight-year-old son i'm sorry 11 years yeah eight-year-old son she's a teacher here in mount pleasant at carolina park elementary and my son's eight and second grade and we're actually expecting our second we're having a little girl in fly so yeah. i'm pretty excited about that i need me a daddy's girl for sure so it's uh, my son wanted a brother, uh, but now he's kind of got accustomed to. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's liking all the pink that's coming in the house right now. So because I told him, I said your playroom might be going away here soon. Going to move your stuff over. He said no. She can have her own room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So we're excited. Really excited. Going to have a little girl. So how is it working with a guy like uh, Greg? He's very involved. I mean, I know that he's big in with the, the CMAA crowd and does some stuff. You guys host some meetings over there with the owners association and especially the Charleston group and things like that. I mean, heck, I, I think he and I have worked together for probably going on 14 years now or something. I mean, even before I got hired in this gig. And so just curious, you know, I'm, I know he's a big fan of supporting continuing education, but how's that all working out? Working out good, you know, it was, it's, a, it's an adjustment for me because I have one boss and it's him. Um, I've worked in different places that was like that, but my last three jobs, I've had a committee or a board that makes decisions or you go to them to get decisions made, whatever route, you know, whether it's capital or maintenance practices or projects, whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, Greg, he gives me a lot of freedom um, and he understands because he is a golfer too. I mean, he was a really, really good golfer. Um, you know, I guess he still is, but he was a very good amateur golfer back in the day. So he understands what needs to happen and he's very supportive. 
um, of me and the staff um, as far as financially and just support in general. Um, but I've, you know, we have a very good working relationship. We're always, me and him are talking on how can we make things better for the membership. I mean, we have a lot planned here for the club uh, with additional amenities and that are being planned right now uh, to make this a, a, an even better club. So he's very supportive of, of this, this department and, and really good person to work with for sure. Y'all gonna do a water park? I don't know if we'll get that far. I don't know. Now there might be something planned on the island, but it's not in Daniel Island Park. So, all right. So, a serious question here: What is the penalty for parking in member parking when you're not a member? When you're not a member, um, that's a good question. Why you did it? <laughs> what was the penalty, Tim? <laughs> I don't know. I do it every time. Either that or I pull around to the cabins over there past the clubhouse on the side where I know nobody's staying by the time the meeting is and come in from the other side of the clubhouse. Well, I can tell you this. I got I got rained because I parked uh, right there at the backdrop when it was pouring rain one time. And he says, you're not supposed to be parking there. And I said, well, it was raining. He said, it doesn't matter. You don't park there. So I think you get uh, a, a, a little token of, of, of a speech as far as, uh, where you should not be parking, but yeah, I, I've done it too. I, I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's funny. So I think that might've been a transition point because I can tell you, I've been there on a number of occasions and I will venture to say that on at least five of those, Mr. Fabrizio parked his truck right there and hopped right out and walked into a function. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure the, his elder statesman, as soon as, as soon as he left, he's like, I'm going to tighten Joey's rear, little rear up. He ain't parking in front. <laughs> yeah, he probably parked right in front of the flagpole at the front door of the clubhouse. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, I stopped doing that about two weeks after I started because <laughs> I was told to. So I parked somewhere else. Is Chris Edwards still the golf professional? I'm sorry? Chris Edwards, is he Chris still Edwards? the golf Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's, he, he was, he's a great guy. Um, we've got a really good relationship. You know, every, well, we don't do it now because of the dine-in, uh, the restrictions because of the virus, but, you know, every Thursday at lunch, we have, we have a lunch together and we might spend 10 minutes talking about the golf course and the other hour talking about a lot of other things. Yeah. That's something that, you know, I'm a firm believer and having a strong relationship with either if you if it's your head pro or director of golf and that's something right after i started i said chris let's every thursday have lunch we can shoot the bull just talk you know whatever it may be we'll talk about the golf course and we do and uh i actually kind of miss it so yeah. you know and you know members that's another thing is 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 when members walk by and they see the director of agronomy and the director of golf sitting together, you know, that just shows a, a little bit of some unity there and uh, great guy, you know, um, I've really enjoyed working with him since I've been here because I, I reach out for him to him for insight on a lot of things. So I had, really good guy to work with. I had the pleasure of working him uh, uh, for a few days at Briar Creek with another, with the Beth Daniel tournament when it moved out there during the women's amateur at Charleston, country of mm -hmm. Charleston. Uh, but it's something I want to go into real quick because I did run 
a junior tournament there, a one-day tournament, probably before you got there. But I want to talk about the locker room and the rules uh, because mine was boys and girls. And obviously there's a space outside this deemed locker room that girl women cannot go into. And there's, there's a barbershop in the men's locker room, I yep. believe. Yeah, can yes. you what's – what's the rules there about yeah, that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah the, the barber, Bert's, um, it's funny because you go in there and he'll, he's a big hunter and a fisherman, and he's always telling stories. Of course, it's not open now. Um, you know, I had, to get, I had to get touched up by the wife, so I don't look too bad. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool locker room. I mean, we do, you know, which is there's typical in some private clubs where you have the men's locker room and the ladies' locker room. But um, we're, we're working on some things this year on the exterior where you can have some commonality and some, some interaction more instead of just being secluded in those two areas. But, yeah, the rule is, is the men's locker room, the ladies allowed. So, on that, so that, outside area was, that outside area was near a scoreboard, and all day long I was like, excuse me, ma'am, I need you to come yeah, on over here yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah, it's that outside, that outside deck right there. Right. Yeah. So, um, we're actually have planned to do a lot of work over the next month and a half, two months back there. So, and some amenities. And some How many times have you taken the uh, fried pickles to go home during this crisis from the men's locker room? Not, not, not during the crisis, but I tell you what, I've had them a lot beforehand. There's some good food in there. It's some really good food. My favorite is shrimp tacos. On Thursdays when we, when I would eat with Chris, I, they didn't even have to ask me what I wanted. I usually just get the shrimp tacos. Well, it sounds like if all goes well, man, we can get our social distancing stuff done. You're going to let us come hang out again. Uh, what is it, January 22 we're looking at? Yeah, I think so. What? Well, yeah, 22. And um, and we're working uh, – I'm working with Josh um, with the Coastal Plains – we were going to do an event out here for uh, for the assistants. Um, I was going to do a presentation with them and have some golf out here, and hopefully we can still do it this fall. Uh, but get some uh, get some Coastal Plains events out here and get some guys out, just network and talk. And you know, it'd be good to do it, especially when everything gets back to normal or the new normal, just to interact and see what see what the other guys are kind of kind of been going through. You know, you hear you hear a lot word of mouth, but don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And I know, you know, I wish, I wish everybody good graces, because I know it's been tough uh, for a lot of guys on golf courses. And uh, it's been a, it's been a scary time the last six to eight weeks. So let's touch on it, man. We kind of bounced around it, but since it is time sensitive and this will be coming out soon, the, the elephant in the room, I guess, for everybody is, is the virus, and that's why we're doing this via Zoom instead of in person. Normally, we'd be down there petting at least 19 of your 20 farm animals, um, taking some selfies down there for days with all those, but we're here in our own environments. Um, I know that you and I, even during the crisis at one point, had some, some late evening conversations regarding uh, just local laws and regulations that were happening there because in our two states, Yep, I guess you could say we're lucky. Um, we never really were shut down holistically by the state. We did have some local ordinances that challenged the game, and, and you were one of the guys who kind of got caught up in that. So, I mean, if possible, maybe share with everybody what happened in terms of the course closing on your end, when it reopened, and, and some changes that have had to have been made. 
Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly when it was. I want to say it was late March that there was a, a local um, ordinance or that uh, the golf course is closed down. There's no golf. And, um, and then after a day, we were told we could open. Now, what happened behind the scenes, I can't, I can't really speak to because I don't know. But, um, you know, I think that was back when, you know, I think a lot changed that night that um, that NBA player got sick and it was announced and they started canceling things and everything just kind of snowballed after that. Um, but we stayed, you know, we were closed for one day and, um, you know, and then we opened and we're, you know, we've got some pretty uh, restrictions, you know, single person cart, um, unless you're an immediate family member now. Um, kind of did the common things around that you see on other golf courses, put a bag over the, we put trash bags over our ball washers, pulled the rakes, flipped the cups. And, um, you know, and overall, the, we do a lot of sanitizing. I mean, we even sanitize the flagpole in the mornings because you never know who's going to touch it. But then again, you know, you can only do so much. Um, but as far as restrictions now, I mean, you know, they've, they've opened up outside dining. So we've started that today. Uh, fitness and pool is still closed. Um, and then we're still abiding by any restrictions as far as the golf course. I mean, it's, you know, we have, a, we have 36 holes and, and also a, a landscape department. So we're staffing close to 55 plus people down here. Um, and, uh, you know, now that we're in the growing season, we, we don't even let our staff ride in a cart together. So we got guys driving triplexes just to go rake bunkers, you know, as transportation. But nobody is allowed to be in a cart together. So, you know, we do a lot of sanitizing here at the shop. Um, and then we have the signs up that the federal government's put out as far as symptoms. And, and, uh, and the club has been supportive. Uh, to my knowledge, nobody at the club has, has come down with the virus but we're doing everything we can to make sure that we protect the staff. And then I also tell them every morning, I said, whatever you do here, make sure you're doing it at home because you could be interacting with somebody else. And uh, cause I, you know, it's to be honest, I told them, I said, if one person gets it, we're shut down for two weeks minimum. So if you don't take it upon yourself to protect yourself and your family and you bring it here, then, it affects everyone. And, um, you know, a lot of our hourly employees, if they don't work, they don't get paid. So, you know, we're trying to make as many precautionary measures as we can for sure. Do you guys, uh, still allow guests in? Uh, only if it's immediate family guests. So right now, um, that could change. You know, I think there's going to be a potential changes coming in the next seven to 10 days globally as a state maybe minimizing some other restrictions. Um, you know, I think just last night uh, I read something or saw somewhere uh, the beaches at IOP and Sullivan's and Folly opened. Um, now, I don't know what the restrictions are, but I just had heard that uh, on the news last night. So, you know, this is, you know, when all this started, everything changed by the hour. You just had to adjust to it. And now as we're coming 
I don't want to say out of it, but moving in a, in a, in a different direction, everything's changing by the hour. So you just kind of adapt to the environment and do what you need to do. Well, I think that's part of our challenge too, is this, an association with two states is, you know, we do everything we can to get rid of the border between there and, and every member is equal. But when it comes to regulation and legal issues and things of that nature, then you don't have any choice. And so I think in South Carolina in particular, like you just said, outdoor dining is open. As of now, it looks like potentially the 11th or the 18th as early as they'll allow indoor dining. Um, mm -hmm. which then puts us in a unique situation with how does that fall in line with the three phases that We Are Golf has put out. And then you look at North Carolina, and best case scenario there, it's looking like their three phases could end up going through just what we discussed here. But it would be July 4th, July 11th before you get into the pools where it looks like in South Carolina, I think uh, Memorial Day is kind of the goal down there is by the 25th to have some kind of standards and whatnot back in place in the pools. So it's unique how we have to kind of keep up with those and, and wade through them. And obviously we want to keep our members informed and be there to answer any of the questions that they have regarding that, especially as we wade through these, these challenging times. But I think the best part of it is we're at least to a point where we can say that looking forward to seeing everybody in November, what that looks like. Don't know in particular just yet, yeah. but at least it's not a question of whether or not we'll be there. Yeah, and I think the, the, the message that comes out from the Carolina's president, I mean, he's been very, very uh, uh, vocal uh, as far as updating, you know, whether it's through uh, social media or the email to the members. That, that kind of helps, too, because, um, you know, sometimes you get – it depends on what golf course that you, you, you might not have the availability information from people and – you know, being at the club and the clientele that we have, we do, we get information when it comes out pretty quickly, but some guys might not get that. And that's that message that comes out frequently really helps. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a life changing moment. And I think if, if everybody adheres to what, whether it's a doctor or whoever, you know, says to do i mean you just kind of take care of yourself and take care of the people around you and and do what you can because i know a lot of people are ready to get back to work and um can you know, I steal a quote I, from sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead go ahead no i was going to steal a quote from dr bruce martin who said act like everyone you come in contact with has the virus and act accordingly that's it it's that simple so but uh uh, we're excited. It's uh, there's a lot of exciting things here at the club, and and uh, it's uh, it's it's a fun place to work for sure. All right. So, in the last week, we've had two alligator attacks in the Low Country. What are you guys doing yeah, to protect heard. yourselves from the vicious animal attacks on Daniel Island? So we have signs um, they put up three or four years ago on every hole, wherever we where you know. Basically, we even have them uh, tacked on to hazard stakes. But um, if our protocol is, is if we have a gator and you drive a maintenance cart close to it and it doesn't go into the water, then our protocol is called the DNR and they'll transplant that gator. Um, that's kind of what they've been telling me. And there's no alligators in Atlanta, so it was an adjustment to me. 
Um, <laughs> and there's some big boys out here too. And um, there's some big gators. So we, we tell everybody, just be careful. We have signs up. And, uh, but most of our membership, they know, if you see a gator, you go the other way. Don't, don't try and poke the bear, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I, I had heard about the, the gator, gator situation. That was, that was sad to hear for sure. Alan, what else you got for uh, our, our resident L.A. guy uh, via Georgia? I really don't yeah. have anything. I think we've, we've covered a good bit here. Uh, I didn't hear about the Gator instance. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm glad to hear you don't have them in Atlanta, wherever that, you know, that would have been strange. <laughs> good luck. Thank you for joining us. Uh, hang in there. I know you're, you got a beautiful place. Do you ever go to the tennis tournament? You been to that yet? Um, I was going to go last year, but we were in the middle of the renovation and I had planned to go this year, but then, you know, it got, got canceled so i mean that's a big event for this island oh yeah and there and even not only the tennis tournament they're starting to host some some pretty prominent uh musicians uh kenny chesney was here last year and uh dave matthew was dave matthews was here last year so um it's a pretty cool place to go watch a concert too but um hopefully the tennis tournament gets kicked back up next year and i definitely want to go it is and there's something funny i'm uh i don't know if you know the burton family ben burton he's in college or military jeff burton's a dad he runs a junior tour down there in the charleston area they're members there Uh, yes i've heard them joke about daniel island there's two two parts of the island the rich side and the not rich side you know (laughs) which is the north side and the south side right right (laughs) What, what is the dividing line the daniel island grill Probably. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I think uh, I should, probably shouldn't say this, but somebody told me the Daniel Island Grill is where, uh, where uh, what was it? I had to, I can't remember. It's something about um, where dreams, uh, oh, I had to think it up. I can't think of it right now, but no. you're probably right. But they got good food too. That's a good place to eat. That's some chicken wings there for sure. It's a hopping little island, no doubt about it. Well, Joey, that's fun. Thank you for joining us, man. I can't wait to meet you in person. Hopefully, I'll get to do it in November at the beach, or I don't know if Tim and I need to come evaluate the golf courses. We can come do that too sometime. I'll have an open invitation, and I'll just uh, let me know when y'all are coming so I can make sure y'all park in the right spot too. <laughs> hey, so the last time I was there, I was able to stay in a cabin. Um, I think it was the second one on the right, just past the clubhouse. Yeah. And before that, I played uh, around with Todd Armstrong and those Tiff Eagle greens that you're talking about. I think at one point in the round, I was either five or six under because they were rolling so daggum good that day. Um, now, I never finished under, I don't think. But I'm going to tell you, those greens are something to be held. Well, we appreciate that. We appreciate that. No, it's in good shape. It's in really good shape. We're excited. We've had a lot. We've done a lot of work, and we got a lot of good things planned. So, you know, we're looking forward to hosting that event. And if we get the opportunity to host another one sometime before then or after that, whichever, we would love to do that for sure. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for your time today, and I just want to say welcome officially to the Carolinas. 
as if we haven't communicated that already over the last 18 or so months. But um, in terms of a public welcome, here you go, man. And, you know, if you ever need anything, we're right here for you. We appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you and, and Al for doing this. This is a – pulling weeds is pretty cool. I got to get me one of those hats. You brought, you brought some hats and they were gone like hot, hot cakes. You know? I was like, wait a minute. So, I already dropped off a half a dozen one day down there. And you're like, what is this? <laughs> No, they were gone in a heartbeat. So uh, maybe next time I see you, I can get one. But yeah, y'all are welcome to come down anytime. We've got a list going. We'll certainly put you on that list. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, gentlemen. This was fun. And uh, this is actually my first Zoom meeting. So this was uh, pretty easy. And I know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anybody. Then you'll get stuck in a bunch of them, I promise. <laughs> well, thank I you, Joey. I've in the last two days. And I'm like, I never do Zoom to the kids over the weekend. And here I am. Three and two days this week. <laughs> well, thank you, Joey. Take care and thank you again for everything you do. And uh, hopefully, I'll get to see y'all soon. Thanks, sir. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great interview. And again, I look forward to meeting Joey. He's and seems like one of the boys. You know, I'm sure you know that because you've met him. But all right, we the last time you played golf down there. I don't think I've ever played at Daniel Island. I've worked those junior clinics. I've run some tournaments, but yeah. So I think that you have to put on there hand delivery of pod swag post COVID right. um, checklist item on there. And it, it, it requires you taking a 36 hole tour of the joint. Um, and maybe a night in one of those cabins that I referenced too, because I mean, I'm just telling you, that's the way to go. But notes taken, uh, so during the interview, we were talking about the dogs and it reminded me of a dog. When I worked at Columbia country club, there was a little basset hound named rusty. And I don't even know how, I guess it was on his tag. There was two dogs that always came around. One was a big dog and then there was rusty and rusty would just lay around the clubhouse, but his ears would drag the greens. Okay. Something else would drag the green too. So when they sprayed that green, you can see rusty where he walked across. Cause there was three little, uh, uh, you know, that's a good story, Alan. Wait, yeah. get us right back on track with pulling weeds when we get back together and take it right off track. Why not? And then something else you reminded me, you asked about Daniel Allen's guest policy. And so I called, I called Steve Bear at Florence country club. Wasn't getting stir crazy, but I was thinking, you know, I'll just shoot to Florence hour away, play 18 holes, get in the car and turn back. And I, you know, Steve's one of my mentors. We go way back. And I was like, Hey man, what, what you got going on? whatever day he's like yeah we're not allowing outside guests right now i was like okay note taken so i look forward to getting back there whenever this is over and they take guests so you mean to tell me and we have a reciprocal with them too my club does so your first ask so far just to clear this up about alan asking for things and not tim since we are on that trend this year going back to rick henderson um is that you asked to play golf at a place where you're not a member? Yes. Okay. So I'll just tell you my ongoing joke with a few individuals that I talk to on a regular basis at, at certain private clubs is that, okay, so what are you going to tell your GM that day I show up? Oh, <laughs> uh, I hear you. <laughs> now, you know, it's not like I just call places. This is Steve. This is my man. I babysat his kids, you know, not like I'm calling out the blue, but. No, I just thought it was worth giving you a hard time about leading into that and that no guest thing because that is 
I tell you, that's going to be a challenge this year for a lot of different places is the no guest policy. Um, and it's even going to impact like rounds for research. They still want to do the auction sometime here. You know, it's looking like potentially August, which makes it really challenging because one, it's a tough time to solicit for rounds of golf. And two, um, consumers don't have that much disposable income potentially coming out of this. Right. And, and then, you know, lastly is that all the clubs that are going to change their policies. So they're gonna have to follow up with all those that have already made donations. Right. And some of them, you're just, it's not going to be feasible. Yep. Yep. Lots, lots to think about, but that's why they got you. Glad Who? I'm no. not thinking about that. That's your job, yeah. Alan. <laughs> I just help relay information here and there. I will just say this. The last time we were together was on a Monday night. And I believe it was, if I looked at a calendar, like March the 8th or 9th. Yeah, something 10th, like that. Something like that. In Highlands. Correct. And our boy Kaminsky was in here feeling like rear and just come off an airplane. And Oh, he had me scared. You know, nobody was really taking it serious that Monday night. And the following Monday, we was all at home. And that dude, well, other than some walks in the park and rooftop reporting on people peeping, ain't left his joint since man and it's may it's like we've gone from one m month to the next m month oh i know, you know what i mean and lost one in the middle yeah yeah i've had to do a few things here and there obviously church every thursday but the, the few i had to uh I was, I was obviously i can set up my boom mic go to my camera and stay that 12 feet away the few things i've had to do so i feel well, blessed. and i just want to say on a serious note a big you know, I don't think shout out's the right word. Thank you. A somber, heartfelt thank you to all those folks who have had to endure this um, on the turf side, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. First responders, everybody, the medical staffs, I mean, top down, government, et cetera, this area of pandemic that we never thought we'd be in. Um, superintendents are resilient. They're, they're problem solvers. They've been doing this for years, whether it's budgets, et cetera. And for them, to kind of come through this the way that we have, I just, I applaud you guys because a lot of folks were able to stay home. Some even make more money on unemployment than some of our guys are making, but to do the right thing every day, no matter what that choice was, because the right thing changed from day to day. A um, lot of respect out there for all y'all and what you went through. And, um, you know, we're here to help any way that we can. We're trying to do our best with the regulations moving forward if you hear of any challenges coming up in your local community, um, as businesses do begin to reopen, just give us a call. All the contact information's right there, even on the Twitter machine. Just reach out. Um, the lobbyists are engaged in both states, and and I just applaud everybody for getting through this together. Um, it's not been an easy time. Well said. I think that's how we're going to end this bad boy. Well, it's good seeing you again, man. I know we've texted and talked and. Let's yeah. do a couple more of these, man. If nothing else, let's just bank them during this hard times when everybody's at home. And, you know, even if we got to roll them out and yep. do our intros where it's hopefully with some solutions and shelter in place, things lifted and us being able to hug and, and love on each other again. I Not hear- you and me in particular, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, cool. Well, man, it was good having you back. And uh, sorry, I had to fill in with Kristen while you were gone. So, uh Thank y'all for listening and we look forward to seeing you this. We know this episode was a little late. 
the next one will be out on time on the 15th with our senators, Rick Gunn and John Hardister. Yeah. And I'll put a little John's plug right. in there real quick. It's uh Senator Gunn, AKA Senator fun and representative John Hardister. And uh, y'all just remember that was recorded pre pandemic um, at the PGA show. So the tone of that's going to be hopefully a little more lighthearted, a little more giggly um, and not nearly as somber as we move through that one. Um, and we thought it was critical to time it coming out in mid-May when the legislature of North Carolina goes back into session. I will say I've followed John on uh, social media since, and he does a good job updating every day of his county and the COVID you know, situation. So His chipping be- needs a little work. Um, we'll, get, we'll get him some help on that. But, yes, his, his, his daily health updates are awesome. His chipping wasn't bad, and, and he plays bass guitar too. So uh, he's put that out since. Thank you all for and- listening. You get yeah. some autographed NASCAR stuff from him if you play your cards right. We'll see. And about Rick Henderson, I wouldn't really hit up Rick Henderson for staying there. I, you know, I was just figure of speech. You talk about the year of me asking for stuff. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, it, it's your year, definitely. I haven't hit many people up for anything so far. It's kind of a little bit different. Well, I take that back. We, we might have pulled a few pulled a few asks there um, from some elected officials, but that's a little different than free golf. That was for the good of the common cause. Now I do have the hat that I asked Rick Henderson for. He hooked me up that day. I still have that. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Simplot as always. Uh, we'll catch you in eight days. Nope. We'll catch you in nine days with our off course episode. Thank you for listening to Pullin' Weeds, brought to you by Simplot Turf and Horticulture. Want to become a member of the Carolinas GCSA? Visit carolinasgcsa.org for more information or call the office at 800-476-4272. Follow the show on Twitter at Pullin' underscore Weeds or on Facebook at Pullin' Weeds Podcast.